When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode 20 of the Right in the Gary Kelly's podcast. Now, before I go any further, let's just address the elephant in the room. Yes, you've spotted it, haven't you? We've added some extra echo and bass into our intro music. Apparently, it's what they do on these London podcasts. Oh, and as you can tell, I've been promoted to the gaffer's hot seat, as our regular host, Vicky, is taking a much-deserved break away. A bit like Click, really. She's finally surpassed a thousand minutes of podcast recording. So because Click's had a break, we thought it's only fair that Vicky has one too. But today's show, as always, is set to be a cracker as we look back on Friday night's game against Fulham. We won in London. We actually did it. Then our fans' corner is full again as we are joined by three Super League United supporters. And then obviously speaking of Super League fans, we're joined by one of our own, Martin Highwood. Speaking of comparing our podcast team with Leeds players, we have a great double act on today's panel. Our Pierre-Michel Lesonga of the team, Dan, joins us, and our very own Joe Gellhart has been promoted from the under-23s to first-time action. Welcome, Chris. How are we doing, guys? Good, thanks. I'm not sure why I'm Lesonga, but, you know... There we go. It's <laughs> the beefier member of the three. I feel like I should be Lasaga. I'll take Gilhart. I'm happy enough. Maybe it's my natural finishing ability. I don't know. <laughs> Bit of a lump, I think, mate. Yeah. Or my ability to get in the box. I don't know. So as we've gone on air, we've had some really sad and tragic news that's just broken. That Leeds United legend and one of our own, Peter Lorimer, has sadly passed away at the tender age of 74. 
Peter had been suffering from a long-time illness. Peter symbolised everything this great football club of ours is all about and was instrumental in the legendary Don Reeve era, becoming the club's youngest ever player at 15 years and 289 days. He won it all in his time at the club and is still the club's record goalscorer. Peter, you will be deeply missed and our hearts go out to your family in this difficult time. Your legend will live on forever, marching on together. And just on that, chaps, you obviously this news is broken as we've gone on air. You know, do you have any any memories? Obviously, we're all a little bit too young to, to have seen the great man play, but I guess stories passed down generations and we've all seen the clips. And personally, I've met him. Dan, you have too. Chris, you may have, have had time with him before. And just have any, any, any memories, really, of, of Peter Lorimer? Mm. I think um, you just touched on it there, Matt. We used to... Got Lorimer's bar, didn't we? Um, for those little fan um, fan things that he set up, and I think it was really nice actually. You know, he'd get two, three, two or three players to come in, sit with us, and just talk about Leeds. And I think it was pointing that he would host it actually because he understood the club better than anyone really. And I think the fact that he managed to set that up, get the players to go, probably showed the respect that he had from players that were there at the time and you know obviously still have the respect to the players now and you know he's a lovely guy so only spoke to him briefly but you know really nice guy and then obviously the memories that you get probably from your parents you know that get passed down and stuff obviously that's all we have and the clips that we see um but you know you know when someone leaves us like that that he was a massive part of the club and it just seems to be happening a bit too much at the minute it's um sad news but um like he said in your speech, Matt, he'll always live on with the club. Yeah, for me, like I haven't met him, but growing up, he was probably the first name that my, my dad would have told me about. You know, from whenever he was growing up, like he was almost a, a, a mythical figure, you know, this absolute cannon of a right foot and the club's top top goal scorer of all time. And I mean, my my first memories of Leeds is like Mark Viduka. I, as much as I love Mark Viduka, he, he he couldn't even come close to comparing. So it, it's a record that you look at, and I mean, I don't think it, as good as Patrick Bamford's been this year, it's got it, it would he need to be there until his late thirties to come close to leveling even the that top goal scorer record. And you know, it's it's just another sad year. I feel a lot of our great players and, and record holders have died in the in the past twelve months and. I hope it's not too, too much longer before we can all get back in the ground and give them a proper send-off because the social distance, you know, social media saying RIP, it's great and all that, but I feel like we need to give them the proper send-off that they deserve and a, a lasting memorial, maybe even something down by the, the Lowfields Tunnel or beside the pavilion. Yeah, yeah it's, sad. it's sad, isn't it? It, it, is, it is sad. And like, like you said, it it's becoming a regular occurrence now that we seem to be looking back and reminiscing and celebrating the life of these great, great players. It's, um, it's such a shame, isn't it? And I, I, I think I said it where, uh, after Jack Charlton died, um, and Norman Hunter, unfortunately, you know, growing up, my, my granddad used to have all the, the, the games from the sixties and seventies on, on tape. And I used to go around at a young age and he'd just, just have them on and repeat constantly. He said, watch this, watch this son. This is how you play football, and it'd be the the great seven 0 battering of Southampton that was on match of the day that that time, and the European nights and, and everything. And you used to see Lorimer, and goodness me, he couldn't didn't half hit a ball. Uh, he's an absolute player, and you just got to look at his record as well. You know, becoming 
Leeds' youngest ever player at the age of 15 is, goodness me, imagine me playing football for Leeds United at 15. Got absolutely battered. <laughs> but, you know, he held his own and then to go become the club's, you know, leading goal scorer of all time and, and winning it all along the way is just a testament to what a, a player he was and all of them at that generation, there, there really was. And it's, yeah, it's such sad news, really, especially when, you know, we're on a bit of a high after last night's performance which we're going to come to and then obviously we're starting the show just now and kind of reacting to this live aren't we so it's um there's been an outpouring of emotion really um of, of, of the death of peter Lorimer this morning for fans as much as as we feel bad and sad you really feel for like the likes of like eddie gray and because you know he's seeing a lot of his friends and and long-time colleagues and people that he made real history with passing away and you can't you can't really be there and, and grieve properly until all this is over so i feel yeah. really bad for him i think you make a good point chris it's just with the times that we're living in there's just you just feel like you these things happen and you can't um grieve in the proper way can you as a football club or as like um families and stuff and like you say with colleagues the people be really close and think it's that's the real sad thing about it obviously and that someone like that should be needs to be celebrated by the club's life needs to be celebrated and i'm sure once we can we'll do everything we can but currently you know this is unfortunately the best we can do as fans but um you know it's just a very sad time i think yeah you, you you've nailed it i think when we do eventually can all go back as one you know we need to celebrate the life of norman trevor Jack and Peter, and, but then, you know, loved ones that we've all lost, and there's been a, a lot of diehard Leeds fans that have tragically lost their life during this period as well. So, yeah, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a, a very, a very emotional day, isn't it? And, you know, the, you see that the, 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 the stands have been renamed. A lot has changed since we last were all there at the Huddersfield game. When you think what's happened since, even to see where the team are now, it's, it's going to be a mixed emotions seen Premier League football, potentially top 10, but then obviously we're celebrating and remembering the lives of, of some absolute legends of the game, which will long live in, in, in memory, really, won't we, for many, many decades to come, I guess. So on that then, we'll we'll move on, because I feel like we could probably talk about Peter Lorimer for, for pretty much the full show. So we did it. We actually did it. It's been... 28,728 hours, that's 1,997 days, or pretty much 84 years, which it feels like, since we last won in London. Which, for a bonus point, lads, can you tell me when we last did this? I think I probably can, actually, because we wrote, back, we wrote an article about it this week, didn't we? It was uh, the QPR away game when Christensen was manager. It was around Christmas 2017, because I remember... Um, I was going to the Christmas market in Manchester, of all places, and I was uh, listening to it in the train. I remember uh, that was the game where Viedvald, like misjudged yeah. the bounce of the ball. Yes. It was just like, I think he just lumped it back in, didn't he? He came charging yeah. out, and he just looped over it. Because I think we were 3-0 up, and I remember Ruth had scored a hat-trick. I was like, oh, yeah, it's in the bag, and then he did that. And like the Leeds fan inside you was just like, oh, my God, here we go again. 4-3 then, is it? And like, but I, I don't know we won, but it, yeah, that feels a lot longer than three and a half years ago. I think that says says more about the last couple of years than it does yeah. about Leeds' performances in London. 84 years probably sounds about right, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Fulham, winning in London, we'll probably get the uh, glow sticks out and have a proper celebration at Megabus one day and jump in the Thames. 
But overall, lads, what did you think of Friday night's performance against Fulham? I thought it was, um, I thought it was really good. I think we were in control for probably about 80-90% of the game, to be honest. First half was really good. Um, we just had that 10-minute period where we gave them the goal back and they got on top of us a little bit. And then maybe like five minutes in the second half. But I think we just controlled the game. We looked, in, you know, we we were the better team, without doubt. I think there were some really good performances out there. Two good goals as well. I think um, Rafinha's topo got a bit underlooked, to be honest. I think that first touch was incredible. The way he got it onto his right foot and then just poked it under the keeper. I was loving that. And Bamford's finish was brilliant as well. First time. So difficult when that's coming over you. That's a striker who was clearly confident and so yeah I think that was I think it was as good of probably justified the performances that we've given recently where we haven't quite got the results you know I think it's a big win for us that I think it just kind of puts to bed any I know we keep saying this every week but it puts to bed any chance that we could be dragged into any kind of relegation battle and now we can just go in for it and just see where we can finish because we've got after the next game, we've got a horror run coming up, haven't we? So, you know, we can really go into those games and just attack them like we usually do and hopefully get something from them. But, yeah, Fulham, great performance. Yeah, I thought I looked at the Fulham lineup and you saw Reid and Angisa and you're thinking, right, they've got the two hard men in there who are going to try and break the game up. We have Stuart Dallas, who's Dallas kind of feels like the older brother who has been there and he's done it and there's, like, there's no mess about. So you could see, like, early in the game, Reid just sort of snapping away and, and Geeks are trying to get in there but Dallas having none of it you have Phillips in behind him I think that that's I know obviously Rafinha and Bamford got the goals but I think the game was won in the midfield and I thought Tyler Roberts I, I have been one of Tyler Roberts' biggest critics but I thought he was very very good last night I think I, I think that's I didn't feel like before the game I was thinking it doesn't really this isn't an important game but after it it was like the feeling like actually no that, that was quite a big game that to win it definitely felt like now we can look towards the was it last nine games you know th- three three or four games which are basically free hits and then five games where you would look at them and think we should win this one so you know I'm more excited now looking up the table and thinking just how far can we go between now and the end of the season we touched upon it in there Chris about Tyler Roberts that I feel I feel on this podcast the last well, probably since the turn of Christmas, really. We seem to be talking about him every every episode. And personally, I agree with you. I thought he was I thought he was outstanding last night. If you can see his confidence is building now, he's starting to get a run of games. And I think that's been his problem throughout his career, that it's always been a bit stop-start, hasn't it? And, you know, I think Friday night was absolutely great. Great performance. But again, looking on social media, it seemed to kind of split the fan base in terms of you, you see a number of people saying he was agreeing with what we've we've said there. And then the other half are saying that he was poor, gave the ball away, didn't connect well. And it's, sometimes you think they're looking at a different player. But he's that classic player that we always seem to have within the fan base that always splits opinion. You kind of, I remember Luke Varney was a classic one. You know, it was either you either loved him or you hated him. It was always you were in the Varney army, weren't you? I was in the Varney army. I've got the T-shirt. Oh, but um, <laughs> Robert seems to be falling into that category, unfortunately, with the fans. And... In a way, I don't. I, I, I get it. I hundred percent get it because he's not had that run of games, but I think he's starting to get it. That confidence and Chelsea was a, 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 a kind of key in that because he picked up the man of the match, didn't he? And um, I think he was unlucky not to win it last night, if I'm honest. So I don't know what you two think about that. I think with Roberts, people look and you know some people 
I think they watch the match just to know the result and then don't actually watch the yeah. match itself. They'll look at the stats after it and be like, oh, well, he didn't get a goal or an assist, so he, he can't have played well. But I think a lot of what Roberts does is very low percentage, risky passes and, and attacking in the final third. So he's not, like, he's going to lose the ball. He's going to misplace passes. I thought he was very dangerous last night. I thought there was a few times where he broke out of defence and he had the ball and you're thinking... Like I think was it was it him that played the pass for Dallas's chance towards the end, or Dallas just overlapped them? I think he he I either think played that pass. That. It was yeah, Rafinha. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, I'm I'm not. I wouldn't have been surprised if you clipped one of the previous podcasts where I was slating Tyler Roberts and, and <laughs> played it to to completely soundbag me here. But uh, no, I, I think he's he has got a lot better, and it is it's just a run of games. I think one of his one of his problems before was. His physicality, I thought, in games where the other team's midfielders and defenders were quite physical, he would go missing and would sort of shirk tackles. But last night, and even against Chelsea, especially last night, I mean, he was really getting stuck in and a few fouls and a few hard hits. And maybe that just comes with someone who's been quite injury prone, getting a run of games and starting to feel a bit more confident in their own physicality. But six weeks ago, I would have said, let him go in the summer. But... Mm. Shows you how little I know. Dan, we were the same, weren't we? We, we were saying January transfer window, he should have probably gone out on loan. I think a season or even half a season of full championship football would have been great for his development because you forget he's only 21, 22, isn't he? Mm. But obviously, we've got a very thin bed squad and uh, there's an opportunity for him there, isn't there? And I think he's grasped it, if I'm honest. I think a lot of people look at uh, players' outputs and you look at Robert's output at the minute and you think, oh, well, he's not scored, he's only got an assist or so, you know, why is he in the team? And if you look the last few weeks, though, he has been involved in goals, he has been involved in assists, they've just been kept going, <laughs> they've just been rolled out. So, and I think it's like Chris said, I think his performances have been good and I think the thing he said about low percentage football, it is a bit low percentage. But when it comes off, he's creating these big chances and he just needs, probably does need a goal himself. And if he gets a goal, he might nick a few more going through the season. You know, he, he strikes me as that player that does need that little bit of confidence that he didn't have at the start of the season. And now he's getting it. You know, I think Bielsa's backing him, which is giving him more confidence. And you're starting to see that in his performances. And like even... Uh, as both said, he's even working back more. He's getting tackles in. You know, he's he's throwing himself about, and you know he wants to keep that spot. And you know, fair play to him. I, th- I mean, I thought he was it was a little bit harsh for people saying he should have gone out on loan. I was, um, you know, I think he's a good squad member to have. But um, I could, I could, I completely understood why people were saying that because you're thinking, well, we've got Pablo back. You know, we've got Rodrigo in there. But you know, credit to him. I think he's. Um, you know, a couple of very, very good displays and he's probably just missing that goal now to really kick on. I think I'd still like to see somebody in the summer brought in in that number 10 position because whilst Roberts is good, if we want to start looking towards top six in the next couple of years, we need somebody of real quality because like, that's the that's the key, not the key, the key position, but one of the key positions is probably the prime creator in the team. And I think it would... You know, having someone of a real like Roberts will improve, but for the right now, like obviously Rodrigo de Paul, everyone's talking about, mm-hmm. but someone in that position who can take a little bit of pressure off Rafinha when, when they're going forward, and and who you know is is going to make those low percentage passes and the, the the real lovely balls in the final third that you're not going to get with Roberts most of the time. You know, he will make it sometimes, but. 
someone who's just that little bit extra quality. I think Rodrigo is good to have, but you know he is very injury prone as we've seen, and it's not just this season; it has been with Valencia before. So I think someone in that that number ten position. I'll let Roberts have his moment, are you, Chris? No, I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking for the summer. <laughs> but like you know, he, he'll be he'll be very good to have as a squad player, and you want you want players on the bench that can change the game at the minute. You look on the bench, and as much as I'm a big fan of some of the under-23s coming through, I don't think that's what you want to change a game. Like, if, if we had been 2-1 down last night, all we would have really had to bring on was Click and Costa. And, you know, Costa's had a couple of good moments in the last few games, but it's it's not someone you're, you're thinking, right, he's got to come on here and make a real impact. Mm-hmm. Well, we've said this, haven't we? The central midfield area is something that we do need to look at in the summer. I think <coughs> all that... Because even like when Phillips was out, we struggled. Phillips again, I thought he was outstanding yesterday. Um, in terms of you know giving um, Roberts and Dallas that protection to actually go out and do the things and control the midfield. So you know, but we need you know I think there's a couple of different midfield positions we need. Maybe now Cox back, he can step into that Phillips role. But you know, like you say, it's um, that depth just needs to be improved in the summer. But I think it shows with Roberts and with Dallas stepping into midfield that we have got, you know, the depth if we get injuries, we just need to add on that quality, like you said, Chris. Yeah. Interesting about Rob and Cocky. He came on last night and it, it didn't really look like he knew where he was supposed to be playing. But on uh, Monday for the 23s, he played in that holding midfield and I thought he, he looked really good. I know I know it's a lower level, but more than Pascal Strike is, is fit, like pa- Pascal Strike, I think, is our left-sided centre-back for the next 10 years if he wants to be. But I think Cock is definitely a really good option as a holding midfielder because he, he can he can pass as well as Phillips can. He's very good defensively, obviously, and he's pretty good in the air as well. I mean, he's, he's played that position for Germany as well on a couple of occasions, but even yeah. for Freiburg, he held that, that defensive role. And, you know, I've said, it, I've said it a couple of weeks ago, actually, about Cock coming in and there's that rich of... Pascal Stroik has kind of upset that centre-back kind of partnership now, isn't it? Because I think we all probably saw Laurenti and Cop being the, the, the probably first choice, if we're being honest. Mark money the club have spent in that position. Why would you bench one of them? But obviously Cooper is in there, but then Pascal Stroik has come out of nowhere, really, hasn't he? And kind of, yeah. like you said, you know, for the next 10 years, he could, he could really own that position. It's unlikely he'll probably do it for 10 years, if I'm honest. If he keeps playing at this level, we're probably going to end up losing him for big money, but I've, I, I've said it before, he's going to be hard to dislodge. He definitely is. And I think Cock could be that understudy or even really push Phillips in that holding role because, like we've said, he can he can definitely play that position and, and with good effect as well. Yeah. Well, you see, Bielsa, he loves a left, a left-footed and a right-footed centre-back. So the thing is, it's not going to ever be Cock and Llorente unless one of them can improve their left foot quite significantly. But I actually think... Last, at the start of last season with uh, Phillips and Forshaw, I thought we played some of our best football in the championship with that sort of two actual central midfielders. I know Phillips a bit deeper, but like I don't, I don't think we could ever replicate that with Forshaw or with uh, Phillips and Robin Cock. But you never know. I think in games where we need we need to be slightly more defensive, you could have two more holding midfielders. Like I thought, I thought the Man United game with Phillips and and Click, like Scott McTominay and. Uh, 
Fernandez were basically you could have driven a bus through or something, the centre of our midfield. I think in games where you're expecting to be under the cost quite a bit, I think having that sort of double pivot as the those who, who know call it, having that deeper in midfield might sort of bolster us defensively, especially if we're gonna play in the counter attack with two very attacking fullbacks. Just quickly moving on then to, to Patrick Bamford. Uh, it's number 14 of the season now. Are you watching Gareth and all that? He didn't look fit for the majority of the win over Fulham, I'd, I'd say. I think we could all probably agree on that. Uh, and don't forget, he limped off against Chelsea. So clearly to, to, to us, he looks like he needs a rest. But with Rodrigo still not match fit, under 23 star, Chris McMenemy and Joe Gellar on the bench, makes you wonder if, if Bielsa will still stick with Pat, even if he had one fit leg. What do you think on that? Do you mm-hmm. think do you think it's time to, to rest him up? Obviously, we've got the international break, which in a way it could be a blessing for him. I think you're right in terms of as good as it would have been to see him get a call up. And as far as I'm aware, I think he's on injury. He's on the standby list, isn't he? But um, I just feel like he needs that two weeks off, to be honest now. Because he has, I mean, before he went off, he was blowing hard, weren't he? He looked knackered. But I guess it's that quality that he brought. You know, he... He didn't bring much to the game apart from what he did in terms of he, he scored and did a good assist for Rafinha. And I think, he'd, you know, he worked hard as he always does. And that's what you want from your striker. It's all about, um, like I was saying with Robertson, and it goes, it's all about his output. And like what he did there was so clinical. And obviously the work that he does for the team is, you know, everyone knows how hard he works. So I think it was a... Classic performance, and I think he deserves at least a week off, to be honest. But if it, so I don't know, say Calvert-Lewin turns his ankle this weekend and he does get a call-up if he's fit, I think he fully deserves it, because no one would have given him a chance in hell this time last year of getting a call-up for England. So, yeah, fair play to him. I think um, hopefully hopefully he's fine and he um, gets through this little international break and comes out the other end. Bamford for Ireland, that's what I say. They'll treat you better. Don't don't you worry, Patrick. They'll they'll not uh, they'll not tell you they're calling you up and then not do it. It's quite an Irish name, isn't it, Patrick? So. Yeah. <laughs> what is, is that a call up to the England B team, Chris? Did you say? Or uh, essentially, <laughs> <laughs> I hear you never know. See, Luke Ealing, uh, if he looks hard enough, he might find an Irish granny in there somewhere. Get him a call up too. Wait, but, Joe. No, oh. I think he, he needs the two weeks. He needs a rest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this international break is complete madness anyway. With the, like, from a public health consideration, never mind how how much of it, how much more intense this season has been because it started later and it's finishing at the same time. The Euros coming up and like I think some international teams are playing three games in less than two weeks. Like it, it, it's far, it's far too much, and like there's no need for it. I know the 2022 World Cup coming up, but would you not rather just say you, you? I know you play each team twice in the qualifiers. Just sack, sack it off. Play each team once, shorten the qualifying period. Or, I mean, the 2022 World Cup, n- nobody really wants it other than FIFA because it's going to be in the winter in Qatar. It, I feel like it's just greed bringing players up to, for international football games at this point so I'd be quite happy if, if uh, Bamford got two weeks off and I think Bielsa would be quite happy too
speaking of Luke Ailing, Chris, you've you've, you've kind of segued us into a uh, into our new feature called VAR. It's a new weekly discussion about how video assistant referees has chopped one of our goals off because of a hairy knee, a pointy elbow, or a long index finger. So this week's topic in VAR is Luke Ailing. So let's talk about Luke Ailing. What should we do first, the VAR call or the celebration? Well, I'm sorry, but for them to chalk it off after he's just done that celebration is the most criminal thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, how can you do that to a person? He's literally, he's ran off, he's, tech, he's messed his hair up, he's got his guitar out, and then the bloody disallowed it. And it weren't even him that was offside. Oh, poor Luke, poor Luke. Brilliant. Uh, I think he I was don't... just embarrassed, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem you've got now. You've got you wheel away with these big celebrations, and five minutes later, it's like, oh, your mate was offside, and so I'll be going, for f**k's sake, Tyler, what are you doing? <laughs> I think at this point, it's just I celebrated the goal, but in the back of my mind, it's like they're gonna look at it because I, I didn't actually, I didn't think Roberts was offside from first watching it, but then when you see it again, you're going, oh, here we go, they're gonna get the someone get their protractor out and their GCSE maths textbook and see see what they can make of it. Like it's just. I don't know. I honestly, I said this to a few of my mates last night. I don't know how we're supposed to enjoy this anymore because mm. any borderline goal is going to get looked at. And I went to the I went to that Arsenal and Leeds game in the FA Cup, and there was a VAR check for like for like a shove by Barry Douglas or something bizarre like that. And it took like four minutes, and nobody knows what's going on because it's not like they were like in, in rugby or whatever they show it the the replay in the crowd because they think you know all hell's going to break loose. So you kind of just sat around waiting and you've got no information and then, you know, the referee's holding his ear and then he goes over to the monitor and looks at it and it needs, it just needs to change. It, it, mm. it hasn't worked at all. It's kind of think, predictable that it didn't work, but it is, it's still, we can, we can live without it. We can live with, mm-hmm. you know, wrong refereeing decisions and someone being two yards offside and scoring a goal and it being given because mm. at least it gives us something different to talk about than actually just... For, for me, I think they've got it. They've got to rechange the rule. They've got to change the rules pretty much because it was all, uh, offside is all about getting an advantage. And like when Rafinha was offside, he's obviously got a massive advantage there. He's two yards offside um, and he scores fair play. Roberts isn't getting an advantage from that. All he's doing is leaning because he wants the ball played there. He's not getting any advantage. When Bamford's pointing where he wants it, he's getting no advantage from it. It's just it's te- it's technicalising a rule too much by saying this is the book always oh, technically offside he's like oh his toes his knees offside you know there's no advantage I think for me this is if I was in charge which would be a horrendous thought for everyone but um, <laughs> I would probably do it as in like the linesman's got to he's got to do it as he sees it if he thinks it's offside flag if it's close go with what the linesman's done if it if it you know unless he's clearly offside then reverse it because it's a clear and obvious error i think it's kind of what they do in cricket i don't know if any of you follow cricket but you know if the ball hits the stumps and the umpire gives it out it's got to be missing the stumps for him to reverse it so that to me is a clear and obvious error so that's that's what i do but um I don't know, football officials don't seem to be that clever, do they? So we'll probably stick with this and say, no, well, it's technically offside. Um, But, yeah, for me, it's just, it is sucking the joy out of it. And, you know, I did the big celebration 
for, I was with Aileen. I was getting I was getting my air out of the bobble as well. So um, you know, as <laughs> soon as that happened, and then when Bamford scored, I was just like, great, what's wrong with this? Like Chris said, so you know, well, that's fair. I, yeah, I think that's they, it. they're looking at the the Wenger rule, which his proposal is that if I think if any part that you can score with is onside, the goal will be given. Like I was like, I was thinking that's at least five or is it five or six goals? I think it's five goals. Mm-hmm. The Leeds have scored this season that would have been given. I'll certainly get the goals up in a game, won't it? Which I yeah. guess is what you want. You want entertainment and stuff. So it's probably not a ridiculous yeah. thing that I'd much but, rather that I can live with that. If someone's bloody foots on side, fine. But you know, to it's it is what it is. But oh yeah, it's a, I don't know. Anyway, on that positive news, let's move over to your your kind of thoughts and, and feedback on, on social media from the fans. So, Rico Leeds said, more of a battling performance than the swagger that we love, but three excellent points. Dallas, Phillips and Ailing really dug deep. Andrew Clark said, Meslier, incredible saves. We haven't even talked about that, by the way, guys. I don't think we've... I think that needs another pod. Phillips controlled the game. Bamford for England. And the waste court anchor got it wrong. The streak in London is over Robert Scott said Fulham made it physical we struggled with that at times but looked really dangerous in that second half should probably be more comfortable in the end oh and VAR can do one Robert obviously knows and then Wayne Kerr said VAR and obviously Wayne knows that too are we all in agreement with those comments chaps Wayne Kerr <laughs> you're a yeah. bit of a Wayne Kerr aren't you <laughs> 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 genuinely I don't even know I'm going to respond to that <laughs> leave that one out but no, I think he's spot on pretty much but yeah I think you you mentioned Meslier some again very good performance some big saves that one from was it Maggio I'm not sure when he just hit it on the turn or Luckman and he just put his right hand up really strong oh no his left hand sorry really strong hand um, you know quality saves and you know, he, he just impresses every time now, um, and I really hope he gets that clean sheet record, which I'm sure he will. We've got nine games left. You think we'd keep one, at least one more clean sheet? You know, I'd take, I'd take another clean sheet for another 20 goals conceded and four more wins. So who knows? Here at Writing with Gary Kelly's, we bring you all things Leeds United that fans want to hear and read. We've been covering the club for over 10 years and what an amazing journey we've been on. But now we would love your support to help us continue bringing you this high quality content. You can support us by donating whatever you can by visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash R-I-T-G-K. Your donations help contribute towards the delivery of this podcast and all the content over at writingthegarykellys.com. Thanks to everyone that's donated so far. Forget the doom and gloom of the daily news bulletins. We've got the best news roundup you really want to hear. It's the Leeds United Weekly News. The week started with an under-23 game against Newcastle and saw Berardi and the Big Cock get some much-needed minutes under their belts, contributing to the team's 2-1 win. We then saw our talented under-18 team play in the third round of the FA Youth Cup and comfortably defeat MK Dons 8-2. And finally, Leeds United have revoked Gareth Southgate's season ticket after the England manager flirted with the idea of calling up Bamford and Ayling. In the end, he just wanted Phillips and the free pies. And that is today's Weekly News.
Hi, I'm Johnny Allison. I'm a big fan of the Right and the Gary Kelly's podcast. Thanks for that, Johnny. And in case you have missed it, you can listen to our full interview with a fan's favourite and former captain, Johnny Allison, for free now on all the major podcast platforms. So on the line now, we're joined by a good friend of ours, Martin Highwood. And Martin, we go back a long way, don't we? Uh, goodness me. What, 2012? I think we first started contacting each other and you'd done a couple of really, really powerful articles on writing the Gary Kellys. And yeah, it's been an absolute journey uh, to even see, uh, you know, where how far you've come in that in that space of time. You know, nearly ten years now we've been we've been you know kind of working together on on certain stuff. And 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 the best thing about it is we're staying to stay in touch as well. But you know, to everyone's amazement and, and Martin's included, you know, he was uh, a bit of a social media star last week uh, with, with Leeds United and he's here on the line now to, to tell us a little bit more so welcome to writing the Gary Kelly's podcast Martin as I said it's an absolute pleasure to, to have you on and yeah how did it come about cheers Matt so so yeah it was um I get you know I was invited to a um uh, R&D um conversation uh, with Adidas to talk about uh, new uh, merchandise and the relationship with Leeds United and what that, how to shape that merchandise and what it might look like. And I got on the call with a guy from Adidas, and uh, I was what I was expecting was to speak to this guy, you know. And then he just ducked out of the call, and the call went to full parch. And Stuart Dallas was there and and uh, shook me to my gore. <laughs> and there, yeah, I guess is the rest history, or is it is it a little bit? Because obviously we we saw what was it two minute clip. I think the club release, was it? Yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah. you guys, you know, what everyone saw was four minutes, but Stuart gave up his whole lunch break, you know, and he spoke to my family. Um, he, he spoke to Sky and our youngest daughter, and she was, and he was talking about his family because he has uh, girls as well, and they were talking about school. And he, you know, he, uh, as well as, you know, gifting us some Adidas equipment and, and uh, kits and trainers, um, he, he was really... Um, moved by the end of the call and said look he wants us to go to a game when it's safe as his uh, vips he was really quite personal about that so you know what people saw was just a little snippet of something that was so fantastic and obviously you got a lot of merch as well didn't you yeah it's quite <laughs> it's, it's beautifully <laughs> ironic that adidas sent a guy who can hardly walk 10 pairs of trainers <laughs> Well, let's be honest, mate. You'll be the Ellsbury Dell boy, won't you? When that market reopens, you'll be flogging them all. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's just fantastic, you know. And the thing is, Matt, is, you know, in this life, some people will give you a hand up. And uh, you did that. You gave me a platform a few years ago to write something uh, about, you know, going to football from a disabled person's perspective. And that's that was a catalyst for so much more, so much more. You know, I walked up Snowden with uh, Kaiser Chiefs and and uh, arranged the comedy night with Richardson and uh, Russell Kane and, uh, you know, national comedians. And it's just gone, you know, it's just just a snowball effect it's just been amazing and you know we don't expect recognition from people like Stuart Dallas we don't expect that at all we do we do these things to raise money for children with the condition that I have but it, it, it was just and that's why it blew me away you know I, I don't we don't do these things for reward and recognition and and that's why when Stuart Dallas gets on the call and, and 
blew blew me away. Um, it was just it's fantastic. You know, it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. And it's that recognition, isn't it? I think I think you know. Obviously, you've done a hell of a lot with the club. I remember, goodness me, correct me if I'm wrong. When you walked out on the pitch before the game, yeah. when was that? What year was yeah. that? What season? Um, Remind I'm, me. I can't even remember. Like 13, 14, was it? I remember you came out. Yeah, I think it might have and been. And at half time as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like I said, it's a catalyst for so much more. Just writing that one piece for writing the Gary Kellys is, it was, you know, walking to the Rhinos with Josh Warrington and Simon Grayson mm. and virtually climbing Mount Snowden with Simon Grayson and raising funds that way. And, and uh, just. Uh, it's like I said, it's just so much, so many different things. And, and I remember being on the train coming da- back down from Mount Snowden and Simon Ricks, the bassist from the Kaiser Chiefs, is just on the side of a mountain looking at me just so, with so much envy. And I was just grinning my head off. <laughs> I, I had a train back down, the luxury of the train back down and everybody else was, you know, still got hours to go to finish the um, to finish the your deal that was climbing Snowden. But another thing about that was taking people out of their comfort zone, people, family and friends, 40 of us that didn't think they were physically fit or able. And then, and then me, you know, inspiring them to be able to go out of their comfort zone and do something they phys- thought was physically impossible. That's massively rewarding for me as well. Massively. Oh, absolutely. So what next, Sir Martin? Well, um, like I said, we've got a comedy show, which, you know, it's just incredible. Since writing that piece, we've raised £185,000 for charity. And uh, the comedy gig we got set up with John Richardson and friends, that's potential to be another £40,000 for the charity. So, uh, and then, you know, on to the next thing. Everything just seems to be getting bigger and better. And I seem to have the Midas touch and I'm extremely lucky to have so many nice people around me. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And yeah, it's been a, like I said at the top, it's been an absolute journey, hasn't it? It has. And, and like I said to you, I can't thank people. I can't thank yourself enough and people who are along the way. It's, it's not all just me. You know, I'm just a guy that has a disability that tries to raise awareness for others, but other people come along like yourself and, and, and just say, how can I help? How can I get involved? And, and I'll bite their arm off when people say that. And, uh, yeah, it, like I said, it's just been incredible walking to Wembley to the FA cup final, walking to Silverstone to the F1, <coughs> to Wimbledon with Ralph Fiennes and to watch the tennis it's just all these events and I just you would never believe that it would just just come from two blokes having a beer on a Friday night talking about writing a piece about an unbelievable man going to football it's just incredible and I, I loved every second and I can't thank you all enough for being part uh, of it yeah it, mate honestly anything anything you know it's uh it's the least we could do it's mm-hmm. the least we could do with only a tiny tiny small part in in what yeah. you've achieved really at the end of the day um so yeah it's been it's been amazing i still remember that walk that we did to ellen road that was ages ago um and it sounds like you've been on some cracking <laughs> journeys since then yeah, doesn't it yeah. i've got <laughs> I've got that photo. I've, at, you know, a lot of the charity events, we take a lot of pictures and a lot of them go on social media and stuff like that. And there's only a few that I've actually really sort of printed off and got framed. And I remember there's a picture of us three together by mm-hmm. Billy's statue, and that, and that's actually out in the hallway there. So. Brilliant. Oh, that's great. A lot younger and slimmer back then. Yeah, that. I was going to say you probably hit our good years then as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, absolutely fantastic. 
appreciate you coming on as always get you back on again in the future and yeah mate anything we can do you know where we're at yeah and it cuts both ways you know any anything you need to hand with uh give me a shout and uh i'll do my best to help you guys uh push this further and onwards thanks so much for having me on hi i'm don matteo and when i'm sat in the rock bar having a pint there's nothing better than reading and listening to rides in the gary kelly's.com Welcome to the Fans Corner, the chance for us to hear some cracking stories about the football club we all love. Just before we get on our guests, if you would like to take part in our Fans Corner, then get in touch with us across social media at RITGK. We've got three Leeds fans waiting patiently, so let's see who is on line number one. Hello line number one, what is your name and where do you come from? I am Lucy and I am from Leeds. <laughs> Hello Lucy. So... Yeah, obviously we're going live today after the news, the sad news of Peter Lorimer's passing. Yeah. We're just going to see if you've got any any memories of, of, of Peter yourself. Have you met him through your family stories, etc.? You know, it's, we're all a little bit too young, I guess, to have, have seen the great man play. But yeah, I'm sure you've you've got some memories potentially. Yeah, I think as well. I think he's quite renowned in the area of being, I think he owned pubs, I believe. And I think like my dad and my granddad came across him in pubs and he was always sort of like in and around all the punters and they just said he was just a gentleman as well as being a top class uh, legend. Um, so yeah, he's super sad. I haven't personally met him, obviously watched endless footage um, of his feet but yeah it is a, a sad loss for the club it just seems relentless at the moment with a lot of the, the mm. legends yeah super yeah, such sad a sad time. such a sad time so let's let's look at your, your first Leeds United game then got any memories well I feel quite lucky and privileged with what was my first uh, <clears throat> Leeds United game mine was on the 8th of February it was my fifth birthday and my dad took me to Manchester United at home. It was a thrilling nil-nil draw. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was just hooked right from then. As you can imagine, it's probably the most intense atmosphere ever for a a five-year-old. I think my mum wasn't best pleased that that was going to be my debut game for my dad to take me to, but I was the son that he never had and he got me hooked (laughs) straight from there um, you learned some new words didn't you that day I, I know yes <laughs> <laughs> definitely so it was just after the 1992 season um so yeah I think he thought oh yeah we're gonna be on a high maybe like get up there but we did finish 17th in in the season that I started going so I think I've been the curse ever since (laughs) never won or achieved anything since which stand did you sit in? Can you remember? So I've always been in the North East stand. So oh, uh, my dad's yeah. been there forever since the beginning of time. Oh. Um, and yeah, I've had a season ticket for, for 20, 27 years now, sat there. So yeah, I want to see us at home again against Manu, but it isn't to be, is it, this season, I'm afraid. So yeah, it doesn't look <laughs> like it. So just following on from that, then, Lucy. So who's been your Leeds United hero? Well, I did have a hero who I don't think I can say because he did a very Judas act of going to another team. I wonder which one that was. Yeah, but I will say he did score some of the best live goals I've seen, but we'll quickly bypass him. Um, 
we've got a lot, haven't we? I think from all the eras, like you could say, like Beckford and Becky, you could say Radderby, Smith, but a curveball for me, I think it's Matteo. I, I love Dominic Matteo. I think he's just so strong at the back. Um, I was just a huge fan of his. And obviously when we went down and we had to sell everybody, um, I was particularly heartbroken at, at Don Matteo. And... Um, my uh, my I was 16 and my boyfriend at the time who was a Barnsley fan um wrote to Blackburn from when you know Matteo transferred and they said my girlfriend's heartbroken about you she's mourning you she never got to meet you and he's such a gent I had no idea that this happened and one day at my house um Matteo had sent me like a huge signed photo in a frame he sent me the last shirt he ever wore for Leeds wow. all signed yeah. mud everywhere on it um so yeah just a, a top guy um that's great did yeah. you get a um a residency at the rock bar in Leeds as well then <laughs> no no? <laughs> no I'm obviously Type not bugger. that much of a big of a fan <laughs> <laughs> great story great story so obviously you've gone from a high unfortunately we're gonna have to uh, oh, talk oh. about your worst moment as a as a Leeds fan oh, quite well. a few to choose from there's so many, because you could say, like, the Bolton game when we went down, the points deduction, um, but probably because it's still quite raw and fresh in our minds, I think it would have to be the, the Derby semi-final. Yeah, <laughs> we've just, had that a few times, you know. I, I just think mm -hmm. because it was our best chance and I didn't believe at the time that we could get there again, and I was just devastated. I was so full of hope. And when that goal went in just for half time, I just turned to my dad and said, I've got a really horrible feeling about this. And he just said, don't be ridiculous. And I said, no, we have sat here for far too long. We know what could happen. And it took me days to get over. I even took the day off work the following day just to like close the curtains and kind of have a moment <laughs> for 24 hours and mourn it. But yeah, devastated. Heartbreaking, yeah. We've had a we've had it a couple of times. That believe it or not, it's <laughs> shattering. We were there. We it still hurts now just thinking about it. I remember oh. Dan, me, and you. We we went to the Peacock and we just didn't want to leave. They were literally yeah. pulling the shutters down and we just like not just didn't want to move. <laughs> just didn't want to go on. That's the saddest pint I've ever had in my life. That <laughs> yeah, <laughs> three days off work to go to. So. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Right then, let's try and get, let's try and perk it back up again, Luce. Let's see if we yeah. can get get it going. Have you got a funny or interesting Leeds United moment oh, to share? A funny one is when we got to the playoff final against Doncaster Rovers. Um, back then, you had to still go down to the ground to queue up to get your ticket yes. for the final, yes. and they had all these like designated queues all around the ground. And me and my dad went down um, just at the back of the northeast stand and we joined this queue and it was like a red hot day and we were like burning to a crisp in this queue. And we were just there for ages and it didn't seem to be going down very much. Um, and then behind us we noticed like a guy, a guy with a guitar had joined the queue. We just thought, oh, is he going to just start cracking out marching on together or something like that and lo and behold we found out that we were in the queue for x factor auditions that they were holding <laughs> on, on the same day 
And this was just so Leeds, you know, they just couldn't organise anything back then. Like, why would you hold these? And then because there was like a cut-off point, we were worried that we weren't able to go and get a ticket from somewhere. Um, and I think we had to do like a postal application in the end. And obviously we went to the game and it was what it was. A nil, yeah. but was it one nil, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and then on the way home, we were just sat in the car, surrounded by Doncaster fans. And my dad just, it was like this comedic moment of my dad just saying, I wish we'd just auditioned for the X Factor <laughs> instead of like... That, um, that guy with the guitar, Lucy, it wasn't Mickey P. Kerr, it tried to kill two birds <laughs> in one stone. I'll, I'll, I'll do an audition and get me tickets while I'm at it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we always like to on, bring Mickey. that one up every now and again. It was just nah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> great story great story well thanks for coming on lucy we really appreciate sharing your memories with us on uh, on fans corner oh, thank you very much line number two what is your name and where do you come from uh, i'm ewan and i'm from york ewan thanks for joining us on fans corner so obviously we're recording today and the tragic news of peter lorimer's death has just been announced as we went on air so yeah, just wondering if you've got any any memories that you want to share of Peter. Um, well, to be honest, it's just just from talking to my dad, he's he's just come back from a bike ride this morning, and I I brought the news to him, and I could see that he was visibly upset about it. And he um, just from talking to him about it, he's you know, I growing up, obviously you see the videos and stuff, and uh, learn everything about the kind of folklore of that team. And I'm not sure there's anyone he had more complimentary things to say about than Peter Lorimer, to be honest. He was just saying now, I think he was probably the most, you know, exciting player. You know, you talk about exciting players now, you look at our team, Rafinha's the person you think about. But, you know, the the fastest shot in football and stuff, that's kind of what I think of with, with Peter Lorimer. And also just, you know, so many Leeds players, especially from that time, kind of come and go and aren't necessarily a huge part of the city. But the fact that he, you know, he grew up in Dundee, you know, in a vet, you know, very working class upbringing and he really made a life for himself in Leeds after football and I'm sure that you know with the, the pubs that he owned around the city and stuff you know he'll have, he'll have come across a lot of people from Leeds touched a lot of people and you know there'll be so many good stories there'll be some I'm sure that he's probably got on the wrong side of people you know um as well but I think just as someone who you know epitomizes the city without even being from it I, I don't think you can say that there's anyone who really does that quite like Peter Mott Lorimer, to be honest with you. So, Ian, what was your first ever Leeds United game? First uh, Leeds game was um, against Northampton, 2008-9 season, I think it was. Um, it was just at the end of that season, one of the last home games before um, before the playoffs against Millwall. Obviously, we know it happened there. Um, and uh, I think we relegated them that day. Um, that's one of my main memories. Oh, I, I only remember a few things from that game. One of the main ones that you remember Andy Robinson. Oh, he was playing that day. He, and, loved a, um, he loved a triple XL shirt, did uh, Andy <laughs> yeah. Robinson. Didn't and, and I remember going to that game and I was really new to it all because it kind of, I, I, you know, I got into it very quickly, um, kind of into football and then mentioned it to my dad and he was like, right, let's get you to Ellen Road straight away. And Andy Robinson had an absolute brilliant game that day. And I remember coming away and, you know, Snodgrass will have been playing Beckford, Becchio. 
And I was like, Andy Robinson must be the star player. He must be Mr. Leeds United. <laughs> and I, I think it maybe took watching a few more games to realise that definitely wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, that's one of my main takeaways from that game, definitely. That probably leads us quite nicely onto who your Leeds United hero is then. But I think you've answered that one. It's Andy Robinson, ain't it? Let's move on. I'd love to say that, definitely. But um, I think I'd, I'm going to have to... Get, being from that era, I was set eight I think when we got promoted from League One so that it's that that team is still even everything that's happened in the last couple of years maybe the one closest to my heart and no one epitomizes that more than Jermaine Beckford I think because just as I was getting to, into it he was just banging goals in for fun and he was so cool as well you know he was a total a total hero and um, a, a role model as well and the ways that you know since he's retired properly re-established his kind of relationship with the fans and everything he does with the club and on Sky representing us now just kind of adds to that. So, yeah, I couldn't look past Jermaine for that. So then, looking a bit more glumly, what would be your worst moment of supporting Leeds? Um, I, it would be easy to sit here and, and say the Derby game with that, as I imagine a lot of people will do to you. But there, there's one game even more than that, because I think the thing about that game is I barely call it a memory, to be honest, because I barely remember what happened. I think I've just put it in a little jar in the back of my mind and I'm not opening it, to be honest, because I have very little memory of what even happened in that game. It's too traumatic. Um, but another game that springs to mind is um, Middlesbrough, away at Middlesbrough, under Heckingbottom. Uh, probably about, it was about this time three years ago. Um, lost 3-0 that day. It was snowing. And it's the coldest game I've ever been to in my life. Every, everything about that day was doomed from the start. I, we, um, Me, my friend and his dad uh, went together. And we got the train from York, but all the trains were cancelled. We had to get a train to Darlington and then a connection on this tiny little train that must have had hundreds of Leeds fans on it all crammed in together. Um, get to the ground and it... Yeah, it was just absolutely freezing. And they there was an announcement halfway through the game saying everyone going back to Leeds or York or wherever. The last train had been uh, moved up, so we didn't even catch the last 20 minutes. Luckily, I didn't miss any three goal comebacks. And maybe it would have been easier to take if I'd have known that the guy who scored a hat-trick for Middlesbrough last night would be leading the line for us in the Premier League. <laughs> maybe not. Um, but that that summed up. I think it, certainly on the train back, I remember my uh, my friend's dad saying to me, "Tonight's the night you, you two became Leeds fans." <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think that's definitely accurate to be honest, because everything that's happened since feels a little bit more special because of nights as bad as that. Definitely. So, other than uh, Andy Robinson turning into Prime Johan Cruyff for a day, have you got <laughs> any funny or interesting Leeds United memories? Um, well, a couple come to mind when, when I heard that question, and they're more claims to fame than anything else, to be honest. Um, the first one is that I am actually technically, albeit very distantly, related to John Charles. Um, wow. Which is pretty cool. Um, he, my, on my mother's side, my granddad, um, his, his mum's maiden name was Charles. He grew up in Wales. And um, I, I think her cousin was John Charles. I, th I think that's the correct relation. Now, I don't expect he's ever heard of me or knows who I am, um, but it's certainly it's certainly something to brag about, and I've mentioned to most Leeds fans. Um, it's a good it, one, that, Ewan. It very is, good. A, very, is a good one to have. 
Yeah. And I, and I, um, I know how much it annoys my dad because he's not related to him because it's on my mum's <laughs> side, even though he's the Leeds fan of the two of them. Um, so that's always nice to hold over him. Um, but the other one that I was going to mention was that, that um, I actually went to school with um, Charlie Creswell, who's in the under-23s. We were in school the same year together. And um, he basically, in about in year 11, this was before we'd gone off to the academy full-time, he played for the school football team, Fulford School Football Team. And I was, um, I'm not much of a player myself. I'm more of a, um, you know, a kind of a coach, if you will. So basically, <laughs> um, basically, I wanted to be involved and, you know, it was all my mates and stuff, but I didn't quite have the skill to be involved. So um, a few of the lads went up to the uh, like PE teacher who was running the team said, can you and be the assistant manager? He was like, that's not, that's a made up role for one thing. There is, you know, no one else <laughs> is the manager. Um, but, you know, why not? Why not? You can You can come down. Obviously, I took the whole thing very seriously. I think I turned up in a suit in one game um, just to try and get a bit of a reaction. Like manager, isn't it? You know? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, I exactly. <laughs> but I was sure after my successes on that game that I'd be able to do it in the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so to cut a long story short, I have coached Charlie Creswell. Nice. Good. Um, That's the good I <laughs> you haul him off after 60 minutes it's like no this is a poor performance get off <laughs> <laughs> well I did used to tell him off for not passing because I think I think he knew that you know okay because he, he was playing for Leeds at the time just not full time you know he, I'm sure he was aware that he was um, maybe slightly better than the standard of play but yeah so I, I don't want to say that I made him the player he is today because I don't want to take all the credit but you know maybe part of it is down to my stewardship We'll you know what's going to happen, don't you? So when he gets an England call-up, you're going to be rolled out to every Sky Sports News, BBC <laughs> News. They're going to roll you out. You're going to tell that story. And you'll have to be your official question. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'll, you'll have to suit interview. <laughs> I'll say, you know that Cruyff turn he did in the game the other day? I taught him that. Brilliant. That was all me. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely brilliant, Ewan. Really appreciate that. Um, and again, thanks for coming on for to Fans Corner today. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Hello, line number three. What is your name and where do you come from? I'm Oscar and I'm from All Leeds TV. Brilliant. Is that where you live? <laughs> from Southport, really, but I try and keep quiet about that. I've got Merseyside postcode, so I can't try and keep quiet about Southport, to be fair. You've got a Merseyside postcode, but you're wearing a Leeds shirt, so we all know you're Leeds. <laughs> I know, I know. Couldn't be, any, couldn't be any other team, to be fair. So like the other guys, Oscar, you know, obviously we've, we've gone on air as, as the news of Peter Lorimer's uh, sad death has been announced. Did you have any memories of, of Peter? Did you, you meet the guy or you had any, any stories passed on through family members? Yeah, I met Peter quite a lot of times. He was good friends with my dad, to be fair. And they did a couple of um, shows together on like the Sportsman's Dinner Circuit and that lot. My dad interviewed him quite a lot. And I can't speak highly enough of Peter as a speaker, a person. And just all-round great guy. Uh, met him a couple of times at Leeds games, and his knowledge of the game was superb. I mean, it summed up his longevity in the game as a player. You know, in terms of he was so up to date with everything about Leeds. You know, he's watching the under 23s he's watching academy. Anyone involved in Leeds or in football, he knew about. So it was just an astonishing man. And I mean, I just think sometimes what he did for the club goes a little bit underappreciated from time to time. Because he's our all-time top goal scorer, and you think. 
I just wish, I just hope now, you know, he gets that recognition he deserves, whether that's a statue, whether that's a stand named after him. I just want some kind of, and I think there will be, hopefully, some kind of recognition for how great a player he was. He had the greatest strike of a football I think I've ever seen, to be honest, in terms of what just watching back videos of some of the, he never scored a tap-in. That was the thing with Peter, he never yeah. ever scored a tap-in. Yeah. Every single goal, um, all 238 of them, I think it was, they were all belters. So, fantastic person, fantastic servant for Leeds United and, We've lost a true great of the Leeds United family today. Yeah, brilliant words. Brilliant words, Oscar. So let's move on to your, the fans' questions we've got then. So what's, what's your first Leeds United game? First Leeds United game was in 2005. Um, I was quite late on to it. My dad worked away quite a lot during the glory years, so I never actually saw us. I was watching us during the Champions League era, but I never got to the games. I was too young to get to the games on my own. So 2005 was the first ever game. Um, under the mighty Kevin Blackwell drew 3-3 with Brighton um, one player I do remember who was playing for Brighton that day was a certain Sebastian Carroll if you remember him oh yeah he scored an absolute belter I think it was after like <laughs> three or four minutes from like 30 yards out I can remember seeing it in front of me in the cop and I was thinking oh my word my word what's going on then we went 2-0 down Sean Gregan scored an own goal so it was like after 10 minutes we're 2-0 down to Brighton and it yeah, it finished 3-3. I think it went 3-2 down late on. And then David Healy, I think it was, or Jonathan, I think it was Jonathan Douglas, scored in the last minute to equalise. And that season we made the playoff final. And pretty much after that Brighton game, we went to every home game, to be fair. I was that hooked on it. Um, I was quite demanding as a kid, saying, right, every game now, every game we're going to. But, um, but yeah, no, we made the playoff final later that year. Um, we won't talk about that too much. We'll talk about the Preston semi-final, but um, not, not the playoff final too much. That's... Uh, that's still a scar, to be fair. I still wake up about that at, um, at night at least once a week in terms of that playoff final. But what a day, what a day. 3-3 free, free at Brighton. Um, and yeah, I was hooked after that, to be fair. It was, I, don't, I can't remember how many fans were in the ground that day. I think it was only about 20,000, 25,000. It's when Bates had the crazy ticket prices going. And I think it just priced a lot of Leeds fans out of going. And we were struggling at the time. But the atmosphere was still unreal, even even though Ellen Road was almost down, just over half full. But, um, but yeah, no, it was... It was Pretty incredible day, to be fair. As, um, as a eight, eight, nine, nine would have been when um, when the game was. But um, it was a pretty incredible experience. Just following on that from that Oscar, what Leeds United hero? Who's the player that you idolise? Is it Seb Carroll, Sean Gregan, Johnny Douglas? <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's um, to be fair. I think the only player I liked from that particular era was Sean Derry. But in terms of first ever, um, or maybe Rob Hulse as well. But first ever Leeds United. Hero for me was probably Olivier Decor. Um, growing up as a Leeds fan, there's just something about Decor, Martin, Viduka, that kind of spine of the team. Yeah, all of them, to be fair. Um, some of them left, some of them didn't, but there was something about Decor that was a little bit different. In terms, of he had that fire in his belly. He was a bit more. He was just a proper Leeds player for me, Decor. He was the one that I most associated with being a Leeds United player. And the way the team improved after he came into the team and left, you know, the difference in the team before and after Olivier de Corps was amazing. And for me, he's still the best passer of a ball I've ever seen in terms of life playing for Leeds. So, yeah, it's got to be the call for me. Oh, you've given a disservice to Johnny Douglas there, Oscar, I think. Johnny Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of cult heroes around that time with oh. the first games, but there was no, it was only really like Sean Derry and Rob Hulse were thought were the actually yeah. okay players in that time. Maybe Matty Kilgallen as well, but yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty tough time to start watching games that, to be fair. We had Ewan yeah. on before and he, he brought up uh, Andy Robinson as Andy one of his first players that he remembered. <laughs> so did. 
bring it uh, bring it all back down a little bit. What was your your worst moment as a Leeds fan? Okay, this is pretty easy now. The worst bit. You might think you're going to say Histon, but I'm not. I'm going to go a couple of years before that. I'm going to go back to when Dennis Wise first took over Leeds United. I mean, that was a low moment anyway. Seeing Dennis Wise walk through the door, the team was just basically Chelsea, Chelsea players, Chelsea boardroom. But specific games, I'm going to go for a Tuesday night in Preston when we got beat 4-1. Going into that game, we were relegation threatened. But I just remember even travelling up to the game. I was thinking, we're going to Preston tonight. You know, five years ago, we were in the Champions League semi-final. Tonight, I'm going to Preston. I'm not even confident we're going to get anything from the game. We're going to get absolutely battered today. And I think we were two down after 10 minutes. And I think the week before, we lost 5-1 at Luton. 4-0 against Stoke. And we were on an absolute downer at that point. And looking like going down to League One. Chelsea everywhere. Chelsea, the, league, the team just wasn't just wasn't a Leeds team that we were looking at. It was just a lot of has-been footballers, just players you just could not, you couldn't cheer for at all. You couldn't cheer for. We still did, but it's just it was just an unrecognisable Leeds team. Lost four-one, and that was just a low moment to me. It wasn't just that game specifically, but that whole time just before we went down was just like it was such an inevitability, and it was just it was just a team that just didn't fight. There was just nothing about it that was likable. I think with the Histon games and when we were struggling in League One. At least there were some good times at that. You know, we had kind of like six, seven thousand going away from home, and we were going to places like Walsall, and there was more Leeds fans there than home fans. Mm-hmm. That pretty much every week that was in the away games, and that was that was quite a look. It wasn't the most glorious time in terms of watching football, but there was at least some kind of positives then. But oh, around then, 2006, I think it was 2006, 2007, horrendous, horrific time to support Leeds. It's got some funny or interesting Leeds United memory. I'll go. I'll go on to. Okay, I'll go on to the Andy Robinson thing first of all because I mentioned it. But I remember um, I was a mascot for a game. Um, I think it was about 2008. I was a mascot, and um, I remember Andy Robinson had been dropped. I think it was only about two or three weeks into the season, and Andy Robinson had just signed from Swansea. I remember everyone was dead excited at the time we signed Andy Robinson, thinking, "Why has he chosen us?" And then you only had to see him play to kind of think, "Oh yeah, yeah, we can kind of see why why we've moved out to London." <laughs> And he got dropped for the game. And um, no word of a lie, the mascots were kind of lined up outside the outside the tunnel about 20 minutes before the game. Andy Robinson and Gary McAllister, who was manager at the time, Gary Mack, what a legend, and their massive blazing row, blazing, proper just um, like everyone can hear kind of thing, in front of all, ev- just in front of everyone that's there, families, etc., just a massive, massive row. And I was thinking, um, I'm not going to say exactly what was said, but Andy Robinson... Blimey, um, <laughs> you don't want to get him angry, kind of thing. But yeah, just remember, just blazing round outside, outside, and um, and yeah, I think pretty much. I think Andy Robinson then played the week after and scored a belter from about forty yards out. I think. I think it was the week after. And you're thinking, what's happened there? Because after what was kind of said between the two players, you're kind of thinking, <laughs> right, that's never mind. Andy Robinson not playing for Leeds again. He's kind of probably getting sold the next day. But you then play the next couple of games. But yeah, that was probably one of them. But. Um, Probably the biggest one, the 2008 playoff final against Doncaster. Mm. After we'd lost the game, um, I, think the, I think the official attendance was 75,000. But there was there was 70,000 Leeds fans in there. I just remember in Wembley that day, behind the goal, and you could see the opposite end of the pitch, Doncaster's end was just empty, basically. In the top tier, I think because basically I think loads of Leeds fans had bought tickets in the Doncaster end. You could just see in the Doncaster bit, the top tier, you'll see just a sea of Leeds fans just kind of streaming over. It's obviously where the stewards have kind of clocked Leeds fans. I just remember seeing that, and that's 
as a young kid, that's when you kind of really echo to you how big the club is. And then think about one o'clock in the morning when we lost um, when we lost the game in that. Like, I remember walking down Covent Garden back to the hotel, and then just must have been two, three thousand Leeds fans outside this pub, just basically just out in the street and that lot, and just. We lost the game. We lost the game and down to another season in League One. But is that is that kind of games where you kind of think we're just too big for this league kind of thing? And it was just yeah, that's probably a happy moment. Um, I guess yeah. I mean, obviously you could look at the, like last season and that lot, but not being at the games, it's a bit different. But that's probably one that just really stands out. Not necessarily a funny moment, but like a really happy moment kind of thing. That yeah, yeah what well, we just lost playoff final got 15 points deducted and I'll just mention one other game as well that really comes to mind um, was the first game in League One Tranmere away yes 15 points deducted <laughs> iconic Dennis Wise yeah in charge Gus Poyer assistant um, I think it was Jermaine Beckford's first time Jermaine Beckford was getting a proper consistent start for Leeds and I just remember being in the, in the Leeds end that game it was only, I think it's only 2,000 Leeds fans there it's quite a short allocation at Tranmere if it went one down after 10 minutes and we're getting absolutely battered by Tranmere, first game in League One, and I was still thinking, 15 points deducted, we'll be all right. We've kept a lot of the decent players in the team kind of thing. We've got a lot, got rid of loads of the old guard and we're just useless anyway. And then we're like one down after 20, 10 minutes, getting absolutely battered. Could be two or three down at half-time. I just remember at half-time thinking, this is it, we're going into League Two. This <laughs> <laughs> we're going into League Two. We're going all the way down. And then we came back in that game Won it 2-1 and then got it obviously down to minus 12 points. Won obviously the first five games to get back to zero, but it's got to be that time as a Leeds fan. It's not necessarily yeah. the best time, but it's the time when emotionally that's probably the time to look back on the most because you know the club's just sinking. You know the club's just sinking at that point. You're expecting nothing. I suppose obviously the Bielsa times, O'Leary, etc., etc., Grayson. That's the time when it's the happiness, but you need kind of the bad moments and the good moments at the same time to really appreciate it and that that was just an unreal season um, that yeah. one but that, that really comes back to me that one Sorry Oscar I was just going to say I think I think for that for me as well it's, it's it always stands out for me because it's that FU to the Football League yeah. you know, and everyone voted against us to be deducted the amount of points it was something like over getting relegated from the Championship to League One we took a 25 point deduction in space of three months and it was that us against them mentality and I absolutely f***ing loved it I loved it and that Tranmere game Trezor Candol it was last minute TK20 and I'll never <laughs> forget that huddle in the centre of the pitch everyone yeah. players, subs medical staff kit man couple of fans got in there for laugh <laughs> wise poor yeah all jumping in and that team huddle and unity and say right come on then let's do it and I remember just before Christmas only for a short period of time we were top of the league, so we'd wipe that 15 points and it might have only been for a, a few hours, but I remember, I think we played Luton at home. We'd, it was an early kickoff, and we beat them and we were top and we were absolutely buzzing now. We'd wipe that 15 points out and got to the top of the league. And then Wise, obviously, that criminal thing and walk away for, for a bit of extra cash in his back pocket and he'll never forgive him for, for that. Because you even mentioned, you know, them lot mm-hmm. coming in, we were all very sceptical and weren't very happy with the Chelsea connection that was coming into the club. And then we kind of did start warming to him. Uh, and then for him to do what he did was was obviously unthinkable. I was delighted when he went, to be honest. I was buzzing yeah. when he left because it meant it meant the start of getting rid of the Chelsea out of Leeds kind of thing. You Gwyn Williams, your Bateses and that lot. It was, I, honestly, I was, I was genuinely buzzing when he went, to be honest, because yeah. I think at the time, it was like one of those who were thinking, oh, maybe, maybe it's just a bit of emotion kicking in. But I thought... 
yeah, maybe we won't go up this season, but at least we've got rid of, at least we can be fully behind everything now, kind of thing. I was never fully behind wise, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brilliant, Oscar. We really appreciate you coming on Fans Corner. Just before you go, award winning All East TV, do you want to give them a little plug for us? Yeah, you can find us on YouTube, um, Instagram, Twitter. We basically just do um, pre post match reviews and do watch alongs, do a bit of everything really. Um, try and do a video pretty much every night just through lockdown and that lot, getting a lot of lovely messages and just love doing it to be fair. Absolutely love doing it. Big fans, big fans. Well, thanks That's for coming me. on. Thanks for coming on to writing Gary Kelly's podcast on the on the other side. So it's good to have you on this side. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure as always. We've partnered up with The Terrace and you can get 15% off all their merch at terracestore.com. So fill your basket with the quality LUFC gear and add RITGK15 at the checkout to get your discount. Enjoy! Okay, that's a wrap. I can finally step out of caretaker duties and go back to the panel. Honestly, I can't wait. Thanks so much for listening. All your tweets, emails a lot. Honestly, we proper appreciate it. It's been 20 episodes. We honestly never thought we'd get get too off the ground, if I'm honest. So, yeah, it's been amazing, and and obviously on a, on a, on a on a separate note, on you know we've we've charted in the UK podcast charts. We're in the top fifteen this last week in the football UK charts, and and we brought the top sixty as well in the UK overall sports charts. So, yeah, thanks so much everyone for for downloading. Your fivers are in the post, so yeah, look out for that next week. Uh, and as always, you can read. All about the goings on at Leeds United. You know, we've got a talented bunch of writers. Chris is one of them on the line now. He's uh, obviously our under 23, under 18 reporter. Head over to writingthegarrykellys.com. Follow us on social, RITGK. And to wrap up this this quite sombre and, and sad show that we've, in a way, had to kind of adapt at the last minute to. And a big thanks to all the team for doing so at the last minute. Is a tribute to the late and the great Peter Lorimer. Jones turning it down for Lorimer. Little chip and he's there. Oh, what a magnificent little goal. It's Jones. Lorimer. McCormick only as far as Lorimer. Oh, and a goal. Peter Lorimer in off the crossbar, then the post. Lorimer. Jordan's in support. What a goal. To Lorimer, may hit one from there.
Podcast Network.